Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning again, and thank you all for being here on this beautiful February day that a little bit chilly, but it's going to warm up this week again. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you here this morning. Now turn back and tell them like you really, really mean it. <laughs> That's better. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 is not on your handout. If you have your handouts, go ahead and take those out. There's a, a place to take some notes, which we've already filled in everything for you today, except for all the things that God's going to speak to you to add. But Hosea 4 6 is not there. Would you write that in there quickly? Which literally says, it starts out by saying the first sentence, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. How do we get knowledge? We go to college. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that just rhymes, but, you know, it fits. No, we study. We dig in. We learn. We open our lives up. We started last week in this brand-new study entitled Bible How-To by talking about how to read the Bible. And this week we're moving deeper, which is literally how to study the Bible. Going deeper where needed. And believe me, this incredible book needs to be deeper in our lives. It amazes me how when we get really inter interested in something, we dive in big time, whether it be career, interest, or hobby. We go all in and we go deep, right? Three of us do. Right? I remember back a number of years ago when I really, really got into fishing. Any, any fishermen in here? I know we have a couple at the church that love to Yeah, I got some hands up. I mean, most people think when you talk about, yeah, we're going fishing, they take it, think about just grabbing a rod and reel or, or a fishing pole, as we call it here in the south, putting some bait on the hook, going out to a body of water and casting it out there and just hoping for the best, right? How many of you have done that before and it didn't work out too well? You may have even been fishing in a pond that didn't have any fish in it. Wouldn't that be terrible? But you don't know because you can't see inside the, the water down deep. You know, our water around here is pretty murky. But when I got into fishing, I, I, I grew up fishing with my grandparents and loved to go. And we just got on a pier and did just what I said, put some bait on a hook and threw it out there and hoped for the best. But when I really got into fishing in my, in my mid to late 20s, I had a guy that, that really was a great fisherman and began to teach me more about fishing. More about how fish react, what they, what they like to feed on, how, how their patterns are, what different baits to use in different times of the year, and how, how weather affected fishing. And I, I got into it so much that I was watching those fishing shows on Saturday morning. How many of you remember that? This is Bill Dance Outdoors. Come on, go fishing with us. What about Jimmy Houston? Anybody remember Jimmy Houston, old fisherman? Hank Parker? Who? Roland Martin? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. I used to watch those shows. I used to try to hang out with guys who were really, really good fishermen and go with them as much as I could. Man, I'd offer to pay for gas for their boat or whatever, buy them a sandwich for lunch or whatever. It was like, we don't eat sandwiches. Well, I just take a couple cans of sardines. I was like, I'm going to eat a sandwich. I remember just getting immersed into fishing and, and, and wanted to know everything about how to be a better fisherman. And some of you are thinking, man, I didn't even know that all that stuff was a part of fishing. Well, it is. 
If you really want to be good at it, you've got to study. You've got to know. You've got to know patterns and, and all that stuff I mentioned a moment ago, the weather conditions and, and when they're going to hit best and when not and, and presentation of, of what lures you're using or bait that you're using. You just don't just chunk it out there on a hook and hope for the best. You can I tell you what's really disappointing when you go through all that and you, you prepare and you're ready, you studied up, and you watch some kid come out there about 10 years old with a little Zebco Mickey Mouse rod, put a little worm on the hook, throw it out there, and catch like a six-pound bass. You're like, what? Kid, I know you didn't go through what I've been through this week. You didn't study. You didn't go, go to all these, these TV shows and, and watch the best of the best. You just threw it out there and hoped. And That's a whole different story. A little bit of frustration. But that's the way we do with things that we, we love and things that we get into and things that pique our interest and, and hobbies and maybe your career, you take it that serious with, with, with your kind of work, and that's good. It's not a bad thing. But I want us to know that the same holds true with God's Word. There is so much more to learn when we decide to go deeper. The Bible is definitely, most definitely, no ordinary book. Would you agree with me on that? The whole house. Would you agree that the Word of God is no ordinary book? There is no book like it. It has withstood the test of time all throughout history. The most popular book there has ever been and will ever be. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the words within its pages are like medicine to our soul. God's Word has the power to change our lives because there is life in God's Word. Jesus himself says in John chapter 3, uh, excuse me, 8 verses 31 through 32, if, how I many of you know that's a big kicker right there, if, if you abide in my Word, which means to continually obey my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth is going to do what? It is going to set you free. These verses have brought me to the simple conclusion. If we don't study God's word consistently and apply this truth to our lives, then we're going to lack the power we need to mature in Christ and glorify God in this world. Thankfully, this amazing collection of the words of God to us is incredibly rich in so many ways in bringing the truth to our lives. And as we know, some treasures are easy to find. I mean, think about when the gold rush happened way back in the early, early part of our, our nation's history. When there was this gold rush out in the West and Arizona and California and those places, people went into these, these, these caves and these gold mines, as they, they come to call them, and they would just see gold on the walls, right? I mean, at, at times it was so rich with gold and unexplored and untapped that they would walk in and it would just be right there on the wall, easy for the taking. they just reach and grab, man, I got some gold. I got some money. I'm in good shape. But we also know that they began to dig deeper, right? They began to excavate and, and take out equipment that they could, they could pick into the, to the surface of the, of the cave and of the mine and dig deeper. And before you know it, they were building mine shafts and, 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 and trains to get inside deeper into the cavity of that mine to dig out more and more treasure, right? And that's exactly what this book is. It is a treasure trove, and some of them are going to be easy. Jesus loves me. Remember we talked about that last week, how simple but powerful that is? This I know. But there are deeper truths in here that we have to go a little bit further and, and dig down a little bit more and find out, wow, that's what that really means and, and how it opens up to us when we dare to go deeper. We're going to go deeper. Write this down on your outline. 
as God's people to get stronger. Does that make sense? Because in strength, we are not blown over by the storms of life. How many of you experienced a little bit of the tornadic activity this past week during the storm on Thursday? How many of you were hunkered down somewhere taking shelter because beep, beep, the alarms come, the alerts come, and it said, get to safety. And I'm going to tell you something. We saw some damage. Some houses got blown away a little bit. Some, some property got damaged by the winds and by the storm and everything. But when the storms of life come, if we are not solid and strong in the Lord and in his truth, then guess what? Our house is not going to withstand the battering that it will take from the enemy's storms that come to our lives. So we've got to be strengthened for that. And at the same time, we've got to be stronger in our understanding both for ourselves and to help others understand and to share the treasures of God's Word. Now, I'm going to give you a little caution here when we talk about going deeper and actually studying God's Word. We're not saying here that there are hidden codes and secret messages throughout the Bible. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, you've got to put this together with this, and you're going to find out the secret code for the greatest recipe of pizza that there's ever been. Have you ever heard stuff like, well, not about pizza, but you know what I'm saying, about these deeper meanings and hidden things in the Bible and, and codes to why this happened in history or whatever. I'm not saying that. And that's not what we're looking for. When we dive in, we are literally looking and seeking and searching to know more about our great God who gave us this life, who wrote us this letter and says, all of my love and all that I am is poured out in the pages of this book that I made sure throughout the time and history of this earth got handed down to you today here in 2020. And we want to know him more. As we just declared in song, man, all we are, we want to give to you, and we want all that you are poured into our lives. And one of the ways that that happens as God's people, as believers, as Christ followers, is that we dig deep. We just don't look at the surface, but we're hungry for more of who he is through the pages. Man, I've been encouraged this week. I've heard testimonies, not even, even this morning and, and the last few days of this week, of people who said, you know what? I've really struggled to get into my Bible. I've really struggled to read the Bible. But since we put this emphasis on, since we're going through the New Testament together, since we're all as a church going for it, man, I, I've been digging in. I've been reading God's Word. I'm, I'm, I'm developing that hunger for it. I, I'm encouraged by that. I want our body of believers to be a body of people who long for and love God's Word and know it inside and out because we don't want to be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And going back to that passage that I started with, that lack of knowledge is knowing Him through His Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's knowing and knowing and knowing and knowing, knowing better today than I did yesterday, and, and so on and so on and so on. That we're continually growing in the knowledge of who God is. Now, now just understand that what we're talking about is learning to see these words in this way. Are, are you with me this morning? Nudge your neighbor and say, are you with him this morning? Don't miss this. Because it can get a little, little fuzzy right here. But we want to learn to see these words sometimes in the, in the original language they were written in. In the Hebrew and the Greek, you're like, well, I'm no scholar. I'm no linguistic. I, you know, and listen, I'm not either. Somehow or another, when I was in the 10th grade at, at Hunter Huss High School, go Huskies. Somehow or another, they enrolled me in, in French. I don't even like French food. 
No offense to our Frenchians, whatever they're called. See, you're going you're to find out real quick. After a week in there, I came to the realization, if I stay in this class, I'm not only going to fail, but I'm going to fail miserably. I mean, I'm going to fail big time. It's going to be huge. I mean, I might not even break 50. 50's not good, right? There's just that mediocre line that's like 20 points below foul. I don't even know. Failing's kind of moved today. I, I wish kind of I was back in, you know, we had that grading system when I was in school. Because, man, you can kind of get away with anything. Now, what's, what's the lowest you can make and still pass right now? 61? What? I think I'm going to sue somebody for back in the 80s, man, because they, they had me at 70. And I realize if I do not get out of this class soon, quickly, as fast as possible, I'm going to fail miserably. So I went to the office and said, i got to get out of this French stuff. I mean, because I don't even see us speaking French right now, right? It's been like 35 years ago. Anybody in America really speak French? I mean, Spanish would have been handy. But no, they stuck me in French. So I went to the office. I applied for a, a transfer to a different class. And God was smiling on me. Because shop class, here I come. And I'm telling you, I made a strong B in shop class that year. But, but we want to learn what these words mean in the original at times. Because some of them are translated just a little bit differently in our English language, and so you want to learn to, to study those and find out. You want to see these things in the days and times and the culture that they were written in because this word was written and penned thousands and thousands of years ago and, and before planes and trains and automobiles, right? Before Walmart and Amazon and Google and, and before DoorDash and McDonald's and Waffle House and definitely before Krispy Kreme. Thank you, Jesus. We love Krispy Kreme. Amen? I don't know about you Dunkin' Donut people. We, we, we're still praying for you. Amen. I heard that. I'm preaching now. You Krispy Kreme too? Man, we were born on the same day. We both love Krispy Kreme, man. It's my brother from another mother right there. Telling you what, big old cakey donuts from Dunkin'. You can have those. Like that light, pillowy, amazingly sweet, hot, and now. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I went the wrong direction there. This book was penned in such a different time with such different customs. And for us here in the good old USA, such a different region of the world than what we live in right now. And by the way, don't forget that we weren't even in existence as a nation when all this was written. We're only 200 and something years old, right? I mean, these are our, our, our regions and places that were around in Jesus' day and beyond. I mean, we're talking thousands of years. So, these are just some of the reasons that we need to immerse ourselves in this glorious, life-changing book of God and go deeper than we ever have before so that we can understand better where this is coming from and what it all truly means. I did put on your outlines there, 2 Timothy 2.15, it means it says to be diligent and study to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now, many people apply that to if you're going to be a pastor, if you're a teacher, that's your verse. I dare say, if you're going to be a Christ follower, that's your verse. Amen? You need to write that down. You need to study that. You need to immerse yourself in that. You need to memorize that, that you want to be a workman that is never ashamed because you are doing everything you can through the power of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, to rightly divide 
this word of truth called the Bible. You and I, all of us who love Jesus Christ, are called to study and study it well. I want to give you three basics as we finish this part of our service up very quickly this morning on how you can do it. I don't like to make things complicated. Amen? I mean, you already heard I I went to Hunter Huss, so we, we try to keep things simple. Number one, read it. And if you missed last week's message, just go back and check that out. That's where it all starts. A a hunger to read the Bible and get to know God more and more through the pages of his word. It was Jerry Vines who said, An unread Bible is like food uneaten, a love letter that's never read, a buried sword, a road map unstudied, and gold. Never mind. Folks, we we read to learn and, and enrich our lives. And there is no better material than the precious word of God. In reading the Bible, let me encourage you all to find a solid translation of the Bible that you can understand better and doesn't compromise or leave out passages of Scripture. My favorite, favorite, and the one I recommend always is the New King James Version. Reason why? Because it's a complete canon of what was handed down to us, and it wasn't compromised. All it done is, is simply this. It took away, it takes away the king's proper English. For instance, you're not going up to your, your friends after church today saying, Doth thou hath lunch plans? If noteth, would you loveth to joineth me for luncheth? On the noon hour, if Pastor Scott finisheth the communioneth, wouldeth thou? I mean, if you heard somebody talking like that at church, you'd probably check them for a temperature. You'd say, what's wrong with you? I mean, especially here in the South, listen to my voice, listen to my dialect, listen to my. My Southern redneck slang, I'm just going to say it. And that's all it did. So you want to find something that that speaks to us the way that we speak today, not compromising anything of the message of this precious word, but making it so that I can read it in the way that I understand it a little easier. So find that when you, when you grab a hold of that. Please understand this. We as a pastoral team here at this church are committed to all of you, to this community, to, to God's kingdom, to help in any way possible. If you have any questions, say, I want to dig deeper. I want to study. But I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. In about 20, 30-minute time here on Sunday mornings, we can't give you everything that's helped us, but we're going to give you everything we can that will help you. But we're always available. So reach out to us. Ask us questions. I love getting questions. I get questions a good bit from some of you saying, hey, what kind of concordance do you like to read? What, what kind of helps do you, you, you use when you study? And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Back in the day when I first started in ministry, we had these big old huge concordances and these big old, big old Bible dictionaries. I mean, they were like 25 pounds each and spread out over a table and just searching through page after page. Where's that at? You guys have a really, really big advantage on us now. Because you can just say, Google what does this passage mean? (laughs) And you're going to get all kind of viewpoints coming up on it. Be careful. Make sure you're looking at the right ones. But read it. That's where it all starts. And then next, recite it. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about speak the word, declare it when you're reading over a passage. Be diligent. Study to present yourself approved to God as a workman. You don't just read it in your head always. You read it out loud. Now, I'm not saying you've got to scream it out. Be diligent. Present yourself. Then people might come and check your temperature. I don't know. 
but I'm talking about just declaring the word in, in a conversational tone and, and beginning to speak it. Because what happens is you're speaking to yourself. You're declaring those things to yourself. And what it is, it's getting down in your heart. The Bible says, hide my word in your heart that you may not sin against me. And that's a big help in this. When we're studying, we're putting God's word in. And so that later on when we're in whatever situation, we memorize, we, we've got it down. It's gotten inside of us. And so it just automatically comes out because, you know, there are times when you're in your life, when you're out doing your thing, that you will not have a physical copy of God's word underneath your arm, Right? You won't be carrying it around always. You won't have your phone always. Although some of you, I begin to wonder. I think you might take it in the shower with you. I don't know that to be true, but, I mean, you're like glued to it. So what happens when the enemy starts messing with your mind is you don't have that in your hand. You have it in your heart. And you can draw from that deep well of God's richness that you, you have done the work and gotten down to business and dug in. And planted it there. Just like every week or every two weeks or once a month. You've done the work. You've provided what you promised to the company that you work for or with. And, and on, like clockwork, they deliver that money into your account. Or sometimes they might even still hand you a paper check. Anybody seen one of those lately? And you've got, there's one faithful hand back there. Miss Amanda. Mr. Hunter. Still living in the stone ages, but that's okay. But you've got that to draw from because you've worked hard to put it in there, right? Same thing with God's word, man. When you recite it, when you speak it, you're literally declaring it to yourself. You're learning it. I, my son, he, he had a bad grade in, in math the other day. And, and, you know, being a preacher's kid, you're going to get all your business out there, so... He's not in here, and he don't understand right now because he's like 11, and he just loves video games and, and eating chicken nuggets. That's about it. But he, he made a bad grade in math the other day, and I said, son. Oh, well, he made a zero. He just didn't turn it in. That, that's, that was the issue, and I knew it. But I said, son, math is your best subject. How in the world did you do this? In classic Devon-esque, Bible's my best subject. And he's right because the school that he goes to is a Christian school and they memorize verses every single week and they do the test on it at the end of the week and that sucker's got like a hundred average. God, let him be a preacher. Help me out in that way, please. Recite the word. Speak that word. I'm going to tell you something. When you're doing your devotions and stuff through the, through the days, through the morning times, after, whenever it is your time, like we talked about last week, when you're hiding yourself in the Word, when you're reading, when you're going through it, you know what happens? The Word is getting in you. And I dare you just to, just to speak that while you're in your devotion time, just to speak out the truth of God's Word that you read right there at the moment. Whether it be just one verse, that's good. Because you're going to be amazed at how many times down the road, might be a couple days, might be a couple weeks, might be a couple years, that that Word's going to come back in the right situation that you're facing. And it's going to be stored up in there for you to speak out and, and draw from. Recite it. Speak it out. Capture it. Retain it. Speak these powerful words of life. And lastly, research. Research. So you're reading, you're reciting, and you're researching. Have your tools. Have your Bible, your Bible dictionary, your concordance, your Bible commentaries by, crust, tr crusted, by trusted Christian leaders. These are the basics. 
If you don't have all those, you got this, okay? I'll give it to you. Whatever helps you get it, right? Whatever helps you get it. Ask these questions. Who, what, when, where, and more? Who wrote this or said this? When, when was it written or said? What time frame? Where, where did this happen? To whom was it written or said to? What circumstance or event prompted this incident or this teaching? Why did this person act like that or say what they said? How can I apply or emulate or obey what I just learned in this passage? A big one is this. Why study? Remember? We, we, we went over this at the, at the very beginning. Studying grows us matures us and strengthens us. It stabilizes us. It puts down deep roots when we study God's Word, when we come and we dig in. Listen, you want to know why we emphasize this gathering so much? Because we feel like we have one shot a week with you in this, this format. And we, we long to get together and we long to share and we long to impart the word of God that he puts on our heart as a pastoral team into your hearts. We long for you to be like sponges and soak it in. That's why when we talk to you about don't, don't get distracted, don't get on your phone and play, don't put together the to-do list for this coming week, man. Dig in, focus, grab a hold of what God is saying through us on these Sunday morning gatherings. Now, look, look at me, guys. Small group or connect group ministries are vitally important for the very same reason. That's why we encourage you. We, we, we plead with you. We stress prioritizing those times because there is nothing, nothing like pushing in and studying God's Word. Also, ask and discuss with other believers because the Bible tells us that iron does what? Rust? No, it says that iron sharpens iron. That when we get together and not just talk about the football game, hey man, Kansas City dominated, well, that was awesome, that comeback night. No. I mean, I'm not saying you can't talk about that, that's fine, but learn to talk about God and His Word and what He's doing in your life and how He's answering prayer and what He's taking you through right now and what you're growing in. Learn to talk about different passages that spoke to you and how God used that in, in that moment of your life. And remember that context is vitally important. I know there's been times that you felt like piecing the word together. You know, there's a, there's a verse of scripture that where it says, you know, love and, and, and give and stuff and, and go and do likewise, you know. And there's, there's a passage of scripture that, that talks about when Judas betrayed Jesus and he tried to give the money back and he felt remorse and guilt and sorrow and all that. And they, they, they just laughed at him. They rejected him and stuff. And he went out and the Bible says Judas hung himself. I know there's certain people in your life you've been tempted to say, you know what? Judas hung himself. Go and do likewise. That's wrong. That's not the way we, we use the Word of God, right? Right? It's context that's important. The whole canon, a few of you got that. Context is crucial. You don't just pick and choose. Now, I know in America we have this mentality. It's called the, the buffet mentality. Well, we're going to go to, and some of you are going to go to one of those restaurants here in about an hour, maybe 45 minutes if we're quick enough. But you're going to be there, and they're going to have this big old buffet tray lined up with all kinds of goodies, man, starting with breads, and then going to meats, and then going to your veggies, and then going to your desserts, and I mean, just a big old long row of all kind of food. Might even have a salad bar buffet area where you can get all that rabbit food you want. And what we do is we go down and like that. Oh, I like. Oh, I love that. I'm getting extra of that. 
don't like that, not messing with that, you know. Go through the whole canon of Scripture. Some of those things are going to step on our toes, but guess what? They're supposed to. Some of that word is going to convict us to the core, but that's the Holy Spirit walking through the word with us as our teacher, right? We talked about that last week. Don't skip. Don't pick and choose. Don't part out the word. Don't piece it together to fit what you want to do. Always look to the full counsel of God's word. And remember, Scripture will never contradict Scripture. Interpret Scripture carefully. Check your conclusions by using reliable commentaries and write it down. Write it down. And lastly, please, don't forget the most important step. It's possibly so, so engrossed in Bible study that you forget the most important purpose of Bible study. It's not Necessary just Bible knowledge for its own sake, nor being able to quote verse and recite doctrine. Ultimately, the grand purpose of Bible study is to learn exactly what the Bible teaches so that we can apply its teachings to our lives. Application, living out what we're learning is the purpose. It's all about growth. Application always follows interpretation. J. Robertson McQuicken said, the goal of all Bible study is to apply the truth of Scripture to life. If that application is not made, then all the work put into making sure of the author's intended meaning will have gone for naught. In fact, to know and not do doubles the offense of disobedience. Wow. That's some strong stuff, church. James put it like this in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. But prove yourselves. Look at me, church. Prove yourselves to be doers of the word. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. Doers of the word. One of the passages that we can go deeper in is the account of the Lord's Supper or communion as it's called it. On the particular night before Jesus was to be betrayed and crucified, he gathered his disciples around the table. How many of you remember this account? And he had some wine and he had some bread and he spoke to them in this way. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this bread. And here's what he said. It's my body that will be given for you. And then in the same manner, the Bible says he took the wine. He says, I want you to take and drink of this because it's my blood that is going to be shed for you. Now, if you look at that as a novice, as someone who doesn't really know what's going on here and, and you haven't dug down deep and studied and, and realized what really is happening here, you would think, man, his body, his blood, I, I don't want to eat. I'm not a cannibal. But that's not what his meaning is here. What he's saying is, is, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. And this, this wine represents this blood that I'm going to shed for you. And as often as you eat of this, you do this in memory of me. And so Pastor Scott's going to come right now and he's going to lead us in this special time of of celebration, of, of communion, of the Lord's Supper. But the reason why it is so important to dig down deep and to study is for growth, maturity, strength, understanding, all those things that we walk through. 
So would you, as a church family, begin to take those steps of studying and go beyond just reading, which is important as well. But this is the next step in growing in God's Word. Pastor Scott. One of the major things that I've learned by studying God's Word is that if you look at this whole communion setting, this Last Supper area, you will notice that what Jesus wanted to do and what He had done for His entire ministry was He wanted to fellowship with those that were there, His disciples that night. But more than that, when Jesus came to a town, and you'll read it over and over again in Scripture as you study it, the very first thing he wanted to do was go and eat. Let's go and dine. When he saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he said, come down, I'm going to your house. Let's eat. Passover was all about an eating celebration, a fellowship celebration. Of course, the night that he had supper with his disciples before he knew that he was to go to the cross. It was about fellowship. It was about eating, dining after his resurrection as he saw his disciples again, he said, let's go eat. And so, as we fellowship one with another over the next few minutes, we're fellowshipping as the family of God. I hope you see that. I hope that does something inside of you. That this is not just a, a, a moment as we've done it for years and years and years in the church of remembrance. And that is, that is scriptural and we do remember but this is an opportunity for us to fellowship with Jesus who gave himself for us. So as the ushers come, what we're going to do to try to make sure we don't spread anything to anybody more than, than we have to is uh, there's going to be ushers that are going to stand here with the bread and the juice on this side for this side of the church. And likewise on this side, they're just going to stand here. And we're going to ask that you come and take a piece of bread and Take a cup. For those of you who can't, uh, just stay seated and we will gladly have an usher serve you. Um, but we want to go ahead and do that. But as you come and as you take these elements and we enjoy this time together, I want us to think about that fellowship that Jesus desperately wants to have with us. And if I could, let me address very quickly before you come and get these elements. You may not feel worthy today to take communion, to participate in this fellowship of just a piece of bread and a cup of juice. You, you may not feel worthy today. There was plenty of people in Scripture who didn't feel worthy. The one that comes to mind, his name was Mephibosheth, and he came because David, King David, invited him to come. He was Jonathan's son, and David made a covenant and said, Jonathan's family will always have, listen to this, a seat at my table. Here's what you may not know if you haven't been digging deep into your word and studying it. Mephibosheth was lame, and the Bible says he was lame in both feet. But when Mephibosheth pulled up to David's table, nobody could see it. Hey, that's good news right there. Nobody could see that he was lame in both feet. See, God's table covers everything. And so I don't want us to come into this today not feeling worthy to partake of this meal of fellowship that Jesus desperately wants to have with us. I want us to come into it today open and saying, I will fellowship with you. Who's with me? Come on.
just uh, start, go, go ahead and start. You guys come and grab a, go ahead and start on that side. We'll do this as quickly as we possibly can. Like I said, if you can't come and get yours, just stay seated. We will serve you. For those of you that might be watching online, if you've got even a glass of water and a piece of bread in your house, I want you to get that. Run quick to the kitchen and get that in your hand. And you can partake of this with us. Is there anyone in this section we need to come and serve? Anybody in this section? Anybody here? I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody we need to serve in this section? Anybody in this section we need to come and serve? Anybody at all? One last call. Anybody just show a hand. Say, I need, need you to serve me. Everybody, everybody's good? When we study our word... When we dig into it, we get deep. We realize that what we're doing, things like communion, baptism, child dedications, those things are more than just following rules or following some kind of religious ritual. Each one of them has deep meaning to our faith. This one included. None of us take it lightly if we know the occasion of the Last Supper that Pastor Robert 
mentioned just moments ago. None of us take that lightly. Because we understand what this represents. We understand that this is His body. We understand that this is His blood. Those two things put together are our life. They give us the nourishment. They give us the sustenance. They, they give us the cleansing that we so desperately need because we can't provide it for ourselves. And as He did that in the fellowship of dinner, supper, Let's eat together. Let's dine together. As David gave the invitation even to Mephibosheth who had two lame feet to come and be at the table. All of a sudden when we pull up to the table, when we all pull up to the table, we're all the same. We see that we are children of the Most High God. We no longer look across the table and see the things that are wrong. We see a brother, a sister in Christ who has the faith in Jesus like we do. Would you look around the room at your brothers and sisters before we partake of this together? We are fellowshipping. And what we are saying and what we are fellowshipping as we do this is that He is our life. And so as we eat this bread together, we're saying, Jesus, this is your body. We remember it. And as we are here together as your body to do your work on earth, the thing that you have prepared us to, we remember you. Would you take that bread with me? And as we take this cup that re resembles the blood of Christ, we know what that blood did. We know from studying our Bibles that it ran down that old rugged cross and dripped into that dirt below it. We know that all of the people who were present stood and watched that happen. But we also know from studying our word that it is His blood that covers every sin. Every sin we've ever committed, the one we're going to commit next week, they're all covered under the blood. We don't have to feel unworthy. You say, well, Pastor, I fell off the wagon last week. Well, get back on it. Because He wants to fellowship with you. Would you drink that cup with me? And now Jesus, in this intimate yet powerful time of fellowship with you. Oh God, it blows my mind sometimes how you created this whole grand plan. And yet you look upon me, someone just mere and mortal. Someone who at times can't even understand You look at me with love. You look at me with compassion. You look at all of us with that same look. And as you looked across the table, your table, the table that you've so prepared for us this morning, and as we remembered your body and your blood, I just picture that you had this great big smile on your face because you said, yes, those are my children. They're remembering me. They want a fellowship with me. And so, God, as we give ourselves to reading your word, as we give ourselves to studying your word, as we give ourselves to this fellowship that you so desperately desire from us, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your body that was given. We know it was tortured. We know it was broken. 
much you did that for me. We know that your blood spilled down that cross and onto that ground, but you did that to cover my sins. And so I ask you, Father, if there's a person under the sound of my voice or in this room today or watching online that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I ask you that as they pray, and it doesn't matter what the words are that come out of their mouths, if their heart and their mouth confess that you are Jesus, the Son of God, and that they need to be forgiven of their sins, I know that you will powerfully come in and change their lives. As we thank you and we fellowship with you following this command that you gave us to to enjoy together a, a dinner, a supper. God, what we're doing is we are proclaiming who you are in our lives. We won't sit silent anymore. We won't be in the shadows anymore. We stand on your promises. We stand on your word. And we stand to fellowship with you. And now as we stand all across this room, we're going to worship you one last time for just a minute before we leave this place. Because you are our God. You are our Savior. You are the one who reached out to us first and wanted to have this fellowship with us. So now that we have done it, now that we have obeyed, now that we've been obedient to your word, we worship you in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.